Dale, Chamberlain of All Ages, and Walter Payne Radio presents the greatest podcast in the world, The Marketech Samuel Plan, The Devil's Advocate Shinobi, The Lunatic King Maverick, and Single Syllable Mother, The Right Side of the Pond. And of course, if you're not down with that, we got two words for you! Sup, Lords of Pain, and welcome to the right side of the pond. It is Friday, and we are back. Uh, that You've just heard Mazza, it's me, Maverick, and we've got Plan here too. Hello. And, um, you know, if you were going to conjure up uh, a list of nightmare scenarios, as Imp <laughs> often does for WWE pay-per-views, Particularly for the for this room for the, for this uh, particular merry band of podcasters, then um, Brock Lesnar appearing at the very end of a Money in the Bank ladder match, uh, and not only appearing when he wasn't booked in the match, but also uh, winning the briefcase just by seemingly I don't know scaring Mustafa Ali off the top of a ladder, um, <coughs> like. Is is pretty much right at the top of list of things I would not want to see, and I dare say it's the same for you too. So we're going to spend the first part of the show uh, explaining why this represents absolutely everything that's wrong with WWE in 2019. I thought uh, you know Doc put it best when he said that it was uh, as good a metaphor as you can get for the state of WWE today, and that all the full time guys you know, work their asses off, and then the part-time comes in and takes all the glory for the 30 seconds at the very end. I was like, yep, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it, it was as in-your-face of what the problem is than it ever has been. You know, just the fact that these guys... And they, they did. They killed themselves out there. Absolutely tore the house down. You know, there were some spots. Even Orton was, you know, to quote Austin, working his ass off in that match. And... Uh, it, it's that, that's what made it so so unpalatable and I know uh, you two probably don't have quite the same view of the whole night as me but I, I thought it was WWE's best night in a very long time oh. and they they shat it all away with 60 seconds at the end it was just you know you had stars being made on pay-per-view in a main event, in front of your eyes, you know, Andrade, Ali, both, you know, stepped up to the plate big time. I thought Finn looked fantastic in that match. It, and they just, you know, I, I thought it was hands down Baron Corbin's best best match in the WWE uh, main roster uh, ring. It, he looked like a star. He, you know, played into that character fantastically. Drew was great. And, you know, it was all for Brock Lesnar to stroll down pick it up and, you know, fuck all of you because this is what happens. I think this is the thing, right? I, I woke up on uh, Monday and I uh, forgot that it was uh, pay-per-view night before, which is, quite, <laughs> which is quite telling in itself, I guess. But, um, like, and I sort of went into Instagram. The first thing I saw was Brock Lesnar, sort of a ladder holding a briefcase. I was like, what have I just what have I just seen <laughs> and my immediate reaction was I'm not watching the show um and uh I sort of like I put that on Twitter like okay I think I've I, I'm you know I'm not a this guy won so I won't watch type of guy but but Brock Lesnar I think is my exception 
And I, and I guess I've written a column about this, actually, which by the time this this podcast airs, um, you will you know you will be able to read. And, and essentially, my my point there is, I can cope with every toxic habit that WWE has. I can cope with bad creative i can cope with stupid promos that sound the same in every wrestler's mouth i can cope with finisher fests i can cope with you know part-timers being booked at wrestlemania i can cope with pretty much anything bad that they have to do but brock lesnar that is my line in the sand i will i i'm not gonna i won't tolerate it anymore and i just it is so disappointing because they they had a chance once after SummerSlam. For that to be it. And instead, Reigns obviously has to go and fight cancer. They bring him back. And and what you get is the same old stuff. He wins the title. He, won, he, he goes off. No one sees him for ages. And then they have the same chance with Seth Rollins. Brilliantly booked. I don't know if you really call it a match. It must have been more an angle. Uh, where, where he... You know, where Seth Rollins attacked before the match, but he, he gets his sea legs under him, he does the stomps, he wins. Great moment. And now Seth Rollins is, is carrying that belt. He has an absolute barn burner match with AJ Styles. Uh, I never thought I could watch an AJ Styles match that was that subtle. Um, and yet, despite the fact that you've got this, this full-time champion who has absolutely worn his heart on his sleeve tore the house down night after night after night after night. We're back in a situation where there's every chance that Brock Lesnar could be the world champion again. And I just cannot for the life of me, I mean, I can understand because it's Vincent Mann, but, but for anybody else, why you would do that? Yeah. It's, it's hard to add anything on top of that. I mean, obviously I was on Twitter. I did. I mean, to be, I did warn you not to watch the show, Mav, but you chose to listen to Doc, so I'm all for you. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's. Um, I came to the. I was sat, so I had the Monday off by coincidence, um, and so I I sat and watched it Monday during the day, spoiler free, uh, up until uh, and it was clear sort of through the show that they were angling towards doing something in the Money in the Bank match at the end of the night. Um, and then Seth and AJ went on just past the halfway mark, uh, and that kind of annoyed me a little bit because I thought that's that's a that's a main event, like that's a last match of the card main event right there. You've spent how long talking about how much of a dream match it is, and you put it on halfway through the show, so that pissed me off. But once that was done, then I sort of thought I've got I'm not really that bothered about the Kofi Owens match or the Money in the Bank match, so I logged on and didn't care about spoiling it in the rest. And I'm glad that I did. Because, I mean, I was half tempted to turn it off after after Seth and AJ, knowing what was then coming. Um, but it kind of took the edge off a little bit so that when Brock did show up, I wasn't quite as uh, perhaps immediately pissed off as maybe you might have been mad when you kind of uh, stumbled upon it on Instagram. But it's, it's uh, a slap in the face, first of all, that Seth and AJ got bumped down the card so that Brock Lesnar could have that big final moment. Uh, it's a slap in the face to the seven, to however many of the guys were in the match who, as Amazo was saying, you know, worked their asses off. I mean, I, I, I didn't particularly like the match. It's money in the bank. I'm not going to like the match. But it's amazing to me uh, that WWE have managed to find the one thing they could have done to make me dislike money in the bank more than I already <laughs> did. Um, and 
it's just, it's like you were saying, Marv, I mean, it's so soul-crushing to return back into this cycle again, uh, especially, you know, when they said no more automatic rematches. And so when Seth won at WrestleMania, you're like, all right, that's it, you know, fine, great, one and done, no automatic rematches, Brock's gone, we can get on with the rest of our lives. Of course, Brock's not gone because the, to- the ratings are in the toilet. And the reason the ratings are in the toilet is because the creative is fucking shit. And because they uh, keep bringing back Brock Lesnar. <laughs> well, it's all, it's all, well, what I said on Twitter yesterday was that the conversation starts and ends with the creative is shit. The creative is shit, which means that nobody is becoming as, you know, that they're not building stars the way they should do, which means that's the reason why they keep bringing the guys like Brock Lesnar back, which means that's the what the reason why they start thinking that guys of this generation can't be stars because they can't get as big as Brock Lesnar, but they can't get as big as Brock Lesnar. You know, it, it goes on and on, but it starts and it ends with the creative is fucking shit. If they write better storylines, people will watch. And if people will watch, then the guys will look like stars. I mean, that's... it's One that's thing I've got to say as well is that Brock Lesnar is also, you know, he can wrestle. It, it's not like he's a total joke of a, you know, somebody who can't do it. it you know, he's not Shane. You know, but you book him so strongly, you know, I know you would still be against the whole idea of Lesnar regardless. But, you know, if they didn't book him so strongly, if if they had him show up, you know, because he can wrestle, he can, you know, he can bump as well as, you know, when when he's getting a beat down, he's fantastic, you know. Brock Lesnar is a great wrestler, but they book him so, so strongly and it, it just makes you groan because, you know, that's it. Um, why is he wrestling for money in the bank anyway? Doesn't Brock Lesnar do what he wants when he wants and wrestle for what he wants when he wants? And, you know, you know they, they shit all over all the old stuff they said about it. Just the idea that, you know, Brock Lesnar needs to win a money in the bank to challenge for a title anyway it would have been laughable two, two years ago. So yeah. why? Why do it? You, you, the whole, you want I, every... the whole, I mean, the whole concept falls down as well, doesn't it? The minute that you find out that someone could just enter the money in the bank match if they take one of the other people out. It's like, why is not every single member of the roster doing that every single year if they know that that's what you can do? Oh, then turn it when everyone else is battered and knackered and down. I mean, money in the bank is a concept that just fundamentally has great big gaping black holes in its logic anyway. And so to introduce another one is just like, yeah. it's just mind-boggling to me. And I have to say, Maz, I know you said at the top that you thought it was their best show in a long time. I, I mean, I, the women's match I thought was awful, so that put me in a foul mood straight away. The cage match was overlong. The, I mean, I just thought that, that apart from one hour, I really enjoyed the Becky Charlotte match, and I really enjoyed, obviously, Seth and AJ. Other than that, I thought the whole show was anywhere between meh to just absolutely just eye gougingly bad and it was certainly the show that made has now made me decide i'm not you know because i it got to the men's money in the bank match and i i I was sat there and i thought i've i've wasted three and a half hours of my day watching a show that i haven't enjoyed why am i still doing this and so you know i won't be watching full pay-per-views again until the product improves so probably never um i'll you know i'll check out seth stuff i'll check out the matches that get a bit of buzz or that I might be vaguely intrigued by, but I'm not sitting down and, and continuing to dedicate three to four to five hours of my time watching this god-awful product, which continues to distract itself from the real reason why the ratings are in the toilet and no one wants to watch it, which is the creative fucking sucks. 
and the creative fucking sucks because of Vince McMahon. I mean, it's that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, you know, I got to a point where obviously I I decided I, I was gonna I was gonna watch it, so I, I left it a whole day. Um, you know, because it is deflating to think that you're on the precipice of this of this new exciting era with all of this great talent in the ring, and then they decide to do that. And, you know, and I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I, the women's Money in the Bank match was probably the worst match I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> but the, and, and you know, I mean, I, I thought both of Becky Lynch's matches were, were, were pretty decent. The Kofi Owens match, I thought it was a bit dull, but it was okay. Um, obviously, Seth and AJ was, was, was magnificent. Um, I mean, it was it was basically a WWE pay per view. I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was good. It was kind of you know it was it was it was a sort of normal show with one great match on. And I do agree with Maz that I did enjoy the Money in the Bank ladder matches. The shame that I was watching it with this kind of you know gigantic vulture hovering over the top of me, knowing that that eventually it was going to be uh, Brock Lesnar showing up um, to kind of spoil everybody's good work. And and that's the really disappointing thing, really. I think I definitely agree with Matt. All Matt was magnificent, and you know I thought that uh, that that Ali was as 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 great as he's been for these. I mean, honestly, for the last two years, is there anyone that's been more consistent than him? No, I, I don't even. I don't. Well, is, I don't even know if Seth Rollins has been as consistent in the ring as Mustafa Ali has been. This, careful now. Um, <laughs> this is yeah. I mean, what Mazza was saying earlier, you know, that should have been a, a, a match with. I mean, you know, putting my sort of uh, chagrin for money in the bank side, it should have been a match where because it was it basically was like the No Mercy '99 ladder match to the power of seven. You know, everyone was having a breakout. Well, maybe not Orton because obviously of where he is in his career, but felt like everyone was having a breakout performance that you know, fans could have walked away from saying, man, you know, I, I'm a big believer that Ali could be a star now, although even Corbin might amount to something. And instead, everyone comes away talking about Brock Lesnar. Yeah, exactly. And that's the wrong, that's the wrong message to send, you know? And, and, and I think... The wrong on so many levels. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's the problem. Um, you know, you've got, you know, you've got this kind of... Um, this this moment at WrestleMania that that feels like a, a kind of transition moment, like you've got Kofi winning that emotional match, you've got Seth Rollins winning his, you've got Becky Lynch walking out of that main event with two belts, and it's like everyone is, you know, everyone was so happy at the beginning of April, and everyone is so miserable now, and and that is just, you know, even if you look at even if you look at Bailey, okay, I'm not a fan of Bailey uh, in her current incarnation. I think stale, boring. You know, uh, ice cold. Not the time to do what I did with her. But but even if he, uh, take that aside, she had a big moment. Um, is anyone leaving Money in the Bank talking about Bailey? No, they're talking about 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 Brock Lesnar. Um, now let, we probably should probably should talk about some of the rumours surrounding this, because before we kind of you know um, sort of set fire to ourselves in a public street or something in protest, <laughs> I, I I think it, it's you first. It's worth. Pointing out that, that all of the 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 rumor around this is that at Super Showdown is it Super Showdown they're calling it? Um, yeah, because they can't be bothered. They can't even be bothered to think of another fucking name for one of these ridiculous. Uh, oh, do you know what's even even worse than the ridiculous name is the ridiculous tagline? 
what is it? Is it is like WrestleMania but better? Like oh, he, no, yeah. And it's what is it? By the Undertaker a, a, equivalent, equivalent or better than WrestleMania? I think it, it, it's just something <laughs> so utterly ridiculous, and they keep it, it, and they keep saying it in the exact same way, and it's just that that typical WWE of beating something into the ground, and obviously oh. like. They've said, right, we're giving you all this money. This is what you've got to say it is. But it's yeah. just like... So the rumour is then that at this Super Show, Super Showdown thing, they are going to have um, Brock Lesnar wrestle Dolph Ziggler, I think. And... No, no is that not it? Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston, sorry. Oh, they're going to have Lesnar try and cash in on Rollins during this match. Sorry, during this this show Kofi. in some way. Kofi or Rollins? I thought, I, I on Rollins. What I was reading today was that they've booked Ziggler versus Kofi and that they'll just have Lesnar announce that he's going to challenge Rollins for the title at Super Showdown and that'll be the match. Yeah, So, well, but it's meant to evolve the contract. So, so there was... So there was uh, a thing today which was that um, it's expected that the Rollins-Lesnar match, rather than because there's no automatic rematches, he'll have to use the contract to get the match. Mm. Um, And and apparently he's not then booked again until SummerSlam. Um, So... But the thing thing is that that alone in itself doesn't really... Uh, comfort me because it might be that he wins and just doesn't wrestle again till some. There is that chance, isn't there? Uh, alternatively, there's the you know the chance that you know somebody like a McIntyre, you know, who has been sort of angling at the sort of I can beat the beast stuff for quite a while, uh, turns up and helps Seth not because he wants to help Seth but because he he wants himself a piece of Lesnar or something of that sort. Um, so you know, there's every chance that this isn't doomsday and that um you know seth will come out of this with his belt and the aj styles stuff will resume or he'll or he'll have another challenger uh you know into the sort of into the summer um but yeah i mean nevertheless i think the, the you know you mentioned the logic behind money in the bank plan earlier on you know we we've joked for years about you know when we used to do preview shows and stuff like this, like predicting Triple H to win it, uh, <laughs> to, to the point to the point that when Mans actually did it seriously, uh, plan promised to eat a hat, and then <laughs> and then Triple That's H the Royal Rumble, yeah, and then Triple H did win it. Um, but the thing is with the Rumble is it, it because of its inherent chaos and there are thirty people and and you know they always keep a few spots back for surprise entrance. Uh, you, you and I plan to have been surprised. Uh, sorry, a fan of surprise entrance, but. You know, you can understand it. I think when Money in the Bank has a finite number of people in it that you know before the match is going to take place, and then with no explanation whatsoever, Lesnar shows up and is allowed to win it, that's what doesn't make any sense. And, you know, apart quite aside from the sort of real-life sort of why the hell would you book that aspect to it. And then you think the whole point of Money in the Bank is that it's meant to be a window of opportunity for up-and-coming stars. And yeah, you put a veteran like Orton in there, but no one thought Orton was winning that match. The whole point is it's meant to launch somebody's career. Like, Lesnar's career was launched in 2002. Yeah, and 20 it, years ago. And he didn't even need that. They just had him come out and destroy everybody. He's been doing it ever since. It's, uh, it, it don't seem like he disappeared for eight years. Could you imagine he kept doing it for those eight years? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's 
It's just, like I say, it's a slap in the face to absolutely everyone in that match. It's a slap in the face to Strowman and Zayn, you know, who, you know, were there in the match. You know, Zayn don't even care that he got tied up upside down by Lesnar the next night. Don't, you know, comes out in the next segment to Lesnar and, you know, no mention of it at all. So there's the the shared universe gone to shit. No, indeed. You know... It, it's just all... Well, that, I mean, that's the other thing, isn't it? Like, all the other guys in that match should be absolutely seething about the result of it. Yeah. You know, like, and 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 Lesnar should have a... At the it, very it, least, it, if you're going to do this, Lesnar should have a target on his back from all the other guys that were like, they should all be looking to spoil his cash in. In case why wouldn't McIntyre and um, Corbin want to go and, like... Jump him as soon as he appears. Precisely, exactly. You know, why wouldn't they? It's not in their character to say, all right, then, fair enough. Yeah. You know. I think that's the problem, is once you disrupt the internal logic of your storytelling, that's when all of the problems happen. You know, because as you say, like, the reaction of the reaction of everybody there, it, you know, it, it should be... Uh, this is this is unjust. This is not the rules. Like you know, you need to overturn this. You know, you need to kind of put another match on tonight, or, or you know, or whatever. I mean, it's interesting to me that Mustafa Ali, who who does not seem to be a kind of uh, revolutionary or seditious sort of fellow, has been making pretty controversial statements on Twitter about this whole thing, like ever since the pay per view. Um, oh, yeah. Or and responding to it is my favourite. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, so uh, it, it's it's so it's so indicative of a toxic work environment when some of your most like loyal and able performers are so annoyed that they that they start kind of you know tweeting about it. I mean, you had another situation the other week with um, people asking Biggie what he thought of Lars Sullivan and Biggie being honest about it. Um, quite rightly. So, so well. The other, the, the other thing is as well that I read that they'd kept Lesnar's uh, appearance that night a secret, and there weren't many people backstage who knew what was going to happen. Which kind of, if anything, makes it even more of an indignancy towards the the guys that worked their arse off. You know, taking these ins- Finn taking that insane bump from Andrade Oof. on the ladder. You know, and then they don't know that at, at the end it's kind of like lol Lesnar wins, sell it. And then be thankful for it because apparently he's the only star on the roster. Yeah, and that's that's the that's Fuck the off. yeah that's the ridiculous thing, isn't it? I mean, if you think about that that pay per view, and you think about that match that Seth Rollins and AJ Styles has, I mean, that is that star power. That's that's what professional wrestling is. Um, yeah. It's too. You know, people... YouTube didn't seem to like it. I absolutely loved um, Owens and Kofi as well. I thought I thought they had a excellent match as well you know it's it's there your people are wrestling across the board you know becky and and charlotte are doing their thing again and you know as i I actually really like the the bailey stuff as well it just added that little drama to it and you know why i thought it was a really good show and you know you you just top it off with that i think wrestling fans need to understand because i've actually seen fans say that there are no real stars on the roster anymore and I and it baffles me because they you know I think people need to understand that no generation has been shoveled this much shit by the company and expected to make it shine 
And the fact that these guys have managed to make as much of it shine as they have is in and of itself a weekly miracle. So you think if, if the company could get their act together and get some decent creative and give them some character development and give them some internal logic, imagine how far they can fly. Well, this is the thing. Yeah. I mean, like, and at the moment, you know, uh, we exist in this place where they'll have a, a terrible few months and then they'll put together a really good pay-per-view like SummerSlam last year uh, or... Uh, what was the other good pay-per-view late, like recently? I mean, I guess WrestleMania, to be fair. Like they'll put together a good show, and you'll go, right here we go. Now we're you know we've kind of solved some problems here. Like we're on our way, uh, and then you know this happens, and you're back to square one. And like you say, if you could just stop with the retrograde stuff, then. Uh, yeah, this could be uh, like a huge breakout era. But what I can't understand about Lesnar, the constant going back to Lesnar, is if he is a draw, and I'm far from convinced that he is. Agreed. It's in a demographic which is getting older. I mean, I guess all demographics are getting older. But but like you're talking about, right? Uh, essentially, Lesnar's um, people that would have grown up watching Lesnar or have watched Lesnar in UFC you're basically talking about 25 to 45, right? Roughly as your kind of, that's, that's your guide demographic to people that might be excited to see Brock Lesnar. Well, all of those people got to see Brock Lesnar in WWE between 2002 and, uh, you know, in 2004, five, four, four. Um, um, and all of those people would have got to see him in UFC and all of those people would have got to see him since, uh, 2011 or whatever it was, 2012. Like, so it's it's baffling to me that that they keep rolling him out as if he's a special attraction when all we've seen for the last, you know, eight years is Brock Lesnar. It, it, you know, it baffles me. Like, what is this special, unique appeal? He's wrestled basically everyone on the roster, like, you know, every sort of inverted commas top person on the roster. Um... Beat most of them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when Paul well, Heyman very says... Well be on his way to beating the last one that he hasn't beat, which is Seth. I mean, when, when Paul Heyman says there's nothing left for him to conquer, well, well they're right. And what really, what really bothers me is that clearly he wanted to go off to UFC, uh, decided that the drug testing and stuff was too much hassle, decided to pie it off, and now... You know, here we are with him earning himself an easy payday. And I just think the amount that Vince pays him, is that really worth the extra well, 50,000 viewers you might get on an episode of Monday Night Raw? It doesn't seem like good economics to well, me. And how often does he show up on Monday Night Raw anyway? It's not I mean, that... that right there is the Achilles heel of the whole argument, isn't it? We have Brock Lesnar to draw in viewers, but he's never around. So it's like, what? <laughs> You're paying him. You're paying him an, an an insane amount of money to not show up. Yeah. How many? I wish my boss did that. How many network subscriptions is Brock Lesnar worth? I. I mean, if you went round, he said to everyone that subscribes to the network, do you subscribe to the network? A for lots of original programming. B for the back catalogue. C for Brock Lesnar. How many people are going to say, yeah, I was just because of Brock Lesnar actually? Uh, I, I don't think it'd be that many. If you said to people, why do you watch Monday Night Raw? Is it A, because of Brock Lesnar? B, because of the normal roster you watch every week? C, it's a habit. Like, who's going to say <laughs> Brock Lesnar? 
it's it's bizarre to me that 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 that's really how they're seeing it. Like, oh, it's worth paying him three million a year to turn up six times because you know he's that much of a draw. Like, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin in nineteen ninety eight is a draw. I don't know if Brock Lesnar is is anything close to that level of a draw. But why is Steve Austin in nineteen ninety eight a draw? Because he's there every week. <laughs> exactly. Precisely. <yeah. laughs> Precisely. Oh, just because he's there be. every week, getting good creative given to him, character development, and and just consistent narrative, and being positioned to wrestle good matches. You know, and I don't, I honestly don't get it with with Brock Lesnar because I reckon most big UFC fans, both big MMA fans, are going to turn up their nose at wrestling anyway. You know, I I I watch Brock Lesnar fight for real, so now I'm going to want to watch him fight for not real. Yeah, it's... don't. You know, I'm not saying you can't be fans of both, but you know, I don't think that that's going to bring the crossover from MMA. And you know, if it's if it's The Rock, I kind of understand. If it's Batista, I kind of understand. You know, I don't get it with Brock, you know, at this point. It's, you know, that that Hollywood's where you want your people in. That's where you're probably more likely to get more casuals coming in. I liked, I, I like Drax. So, oh, Drax is, is doing this wrestling show. I'll give that a watch. I think that's a hell of a lot more likely than... Oh, Brock Lesnar, who I like to watch fight for real, is gonna fight for pretend. Let me watch that. Yeah, that's and and on the I mean on the network point, I'd imagine that that Brock Lesnar now probably causes more people to cancel their subscriptions than he does to subscribe up. And those who do want to subscribe to the network to see Brock Lesnar probably do it for the one pay per view he wrestles, then cancels it, then does it again, and they're just constantly getting their free month. Yeah, I I, I just think that I just think the whole. You know, the whole model, like, and we've talked before, haven't we? Like, all right, if you go back to WrestleMania 26 onwards and, and you kind of see how they started to, 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 to operate this sort of, this part-timer model. And, yeah, we have talked about how maybe that generation of 2008, even if they did get shafted, maybe there weren't the people of the level of a Seth Rollins or a Roman Reigns or a Dean Ambrose or a, you know, Kevin Owens or what have you, they weren't of quite that level. And you could say, okay, as, as you transition, oh, you know, it, it, it makes sense to kind of keep some of these guys around. But now they, they it's just become so reliant on them. Um, and, and actually what I can't understand is they ran an entire storyline around Seth Rollins saying, we are fed up of you not being here. <laughs> They actually ran well, an yeah, angle I mean, based on it. It's the, that's I, yeah, I, I see, feel like I say this about every aspect of it. But the most infuriating aspect of it is they are well aware of how fans feel because they've tapped into it multiple times to tell a boring yeah. story. They, they actually think... I, I actually think they're trying to use it to get heat. And they think it's, you know, I guess... It's that whole that whole thing. It's like, you no, know, they, they're yeah. clearly playing into the fact that, oh, yeah... I just show up when I want and you don't like that. So boo me, you know, it's, it, that's what's infuriating. I mean, at this stage, I, you know, let them drive the product into the ground. I'll watch the bits that interest me. Um, you know, I mean, I'll say if, if I don't think he will, I think he's there for the long haul, but we said the same about Dean. If Seth ever left and ended up in AEW or somewhere like that, I'd probably jump ship with him at this point. That there'd, there'd have to be, 
<clears throat> something drastically different um, for me to stick around in that kind of a circumstance because he's basically the only reason I'm still watching. I, I think you know. I, I think you know. Once once <laughs> once I'd you know once side's eyes eyes calmed down, I thought I thought about it for a little bit. Um, you know, I I I will actively avoid anything that Brock Lesnar is in. I certainly won't. I wasn't going to watch Super Showdown anyway. I've made already made that choice. I don't want to. Well, you'll, you'll, you'll miss Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, Undertaker, and Triple H versus Randy Orton. I mean, if I want to watch Triple H be Randy Orton, and, and goodness knows I won't want to, but but there are plenty of those from 2007 I can tune into. Um, but but yeah, like. Uh, I, I've decided I'm not going to watch anything involving Brock Lesnar. I'm not going to watch that Saudi show anyway, not only because they were so bad last year, but also because nothing on it interests me and also because blood money, no thank you. Um, so I'm not going to watch that anyway and I won't watch anything involving Lesnar. I won't watch any more Lesnar matches. Um, and, you know, hopefully this is a short-lived thing. He goes away again for a bit and even if he shows up again, it's like, it's always going to be short-lived. So as long as he isn't, a reigning, defending Universal Champion. Like, I, I feel like I can just kind of edit him out of the whole thing. Um, because actually, what, like like you said, Maz, earlier on Twitter, you know, when you're getting Mustafa Ali and Andrade Cien Ormas, like, wrestle the type of match that they wrestled on SmackDown, um, you remember why it is that you do watch. And... You know, there's that. This is still a, a a roster and a a generation with so much hope and potential. And you know, you never. I mean, you just you never know what's around the corner. So, um, I mean, that, that's it as well, isn't it? There's still enough across the. You know, they've got so much programming. There's still enough. You know, for it to more than catch your eye at certain points. You know, you're enjoying NXT UK, you know, NXT's good. 205 Live's still interesting, you know, parts of the main roster are, are fun. So, you know, there's still plenty of good in there, but it's just, you know, top heavy with the bad and the ridiculous decisions and the terrible booking and creative. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, like, you get you get times when, when it, it goes well and times when it's just completely directionless. I mean, I think, like, we said this the other week, Pan, didn't we, that it's the the fact that it's it's Vince McMahon, you know, it's it's him that's, that's, that's kind of meddling with all these scripts and, and just and making decisions on a whim. And, you know, maybe when XFL launches, he'll take a step back and we might see a sustained improvement. I don't think we will. You know, I've I've I, I've had all hope beaten out of me. And I'm and and there are you know there are. You got good, a video? I'd like to watch that. There are good, <laughs> uh, you know, there are good good elements to to what they put out on the network. But I'm I'm just done scrambling around for scraps, frankly. You know, I'll I'll check the bits out that pique my interest. The rest can just sod off at this point until it, until he goes away, which won't be until he's dead. And I don't think that he's going to particularly step all that far away when the XFL comes around either, because God no, God only knows how disastrous that could end up being for him again. Um, you know, but unless there's there is fundamental change uh, at that level, and I mean complete and you know all change, uh, and the product get rests ideas that are, you know, I'm just done with it. It it feels like there's nothing new there. 
There's nothing interesting there anymore. They're not prepared to get behind this incredible generation of talent that have proved their worth time and time and time again. We'll get the short thrift. And I meant to stand there and say thank you to Brock Lesnar showing up to apparently get them paid more, which is bullshit anyway. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a circus. And I'm not dedicating any more of my time. If I didn't have a book to shill in a couple of years, I probably wouldn't still be writing columns and doing podcasts, frankly, because I'm, I'm that sort of jaded with it all at this point that it's it's you know it's unfortunate that that fans get driven to that point by a company um that proclaims to be you know the best wrestling company in the world and we can only hope that AEW is able to to shake the landscape up enough uh for I, I put more faith in that invoking change than I would the XFL certainly and I, and I think I think that I um, on certainly on Monday my finger hovered over the cancel network button, and then as Maz says, you know, you remember that you got Walter v Pete Dunn two coming up. Well, by the time this airs, it will have happened, um, you know, and stuff like that. And it's I, I think well, I mean my, my my issue with sort of stuff like that. I mean, I mean I've become a big fan of NXT UK, but the style of wrestling doesn't always appeal to me. So so then it's like I'm left with nothing. You know, I don't have the that where I've got the great storytelling in terms of like week to week narrative and stuff, oftentimes the wrestling actually puts me off. Uh, and then when I've got the great wrestling, I don't have the 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 week to week storytelling and narrative. It's like you just feel like you can't win. It's it certainly it's certainly um, you know I, I think since this latest brand extension as we predicted plan, it's been a somewhat uh, difficult experience as a WWE loyalist because you know their bullshit is. It is more and more difficult to, to to defend the point that you know I won't defend it anymore. You know I've certainly Indeed. I've certainly um, booked uh, I've certainly booked AEW's uh, Double or Nothing. I'm looking forward to checking that out on Saturday. Um, you know first weekend of my holiday, I'll be I'll be <laughs> enjoying that very much. Like you know midnight, crack open a beer, watch some wrestling without that kind of horrible crushing weight of, Oh God, what are they going to do now? Um, which I think will probably be quite liberating, uh, all in all, but we should try and, uh, and talk about a few, a few positives plan. You said that, you know, you recorded, uh, sports entertainment is dead and, and managed to manage to discuss a few positives. I mean, I think it, it would be unfair on, on, on those wrestlers that did, you know, did their job and entertained us on, uh, on Sunday, not to not to discuss them. So, um, I mean, obviously you're the big Seth Rollins guy in the room plan. I mean, uh, how many times have you seen the match now? Uh, just the once. Actually. Just the once. Still, I mean, go on. Yeah, yeah. Sh- sh- share your thoughts with us. Uh, well, I, I, you know, obviously I adored it. Uh, what, what I said on Sports Entertainment is dead. Uh, <laughs> is that I think what I liked so much about it, and and I think the reason why it stood out to me. I mean, well, first of all. Um, and I think this is true of most of Seth's matches and is probably one of the, re- certainly over the last two years, especially it seemed very prominent. And it's certainly one of the major reasons why I've become such a fan of his over the years is that much like in, you know, Bret Hart matches, there's an intangible and, it, and, and sort of, I, I think unless you've actually wrestled, you're at odds to really explain it properly, but there's just a sense of everything making sense of every move being in the right place every kind of development in a match feeling like it's happening right as it should 
everything feels natural and normal. Um, but what I what I liked, and that and that creates a very satisfying experience when you're watching a wrestling match. Certainly, it's why I think Bret Hart matches are infinitely watchable, and why Seth's are as well. But what I loved so much about the AJ match, and what I found interesting about your comment earlier as well, Mav, when you said that you you, you um, didn't think you'd ever see an AJ match that's that subtle, is that it was pretty straightforward. You know, if you if you look at that match from a structural point of view, um, then what you get is something that starts off with kind of you know kind of for lack of a of a more elegant expression like regular moves um you know tie tie ups and and rest and uh, what jesse ventura used to call the grind uh, grind down hold wear down holds uh, and then they you know as it went on they kind of introduced their slightly you know slightly bigger set pieces like the suicide dive thing and the and the counter from the first attempt at the revolution knee into the Ushi Garoshi or whatever it was called. Um, then they moved into the big kind of trademark things with the, um, you know, the reverse uh, Falcon Arrow superplex combo. There was that sublime counter with the curb stomp into the Styles Clash. Ooh, and then they finished with the, big, like with the Absolutely. And then they finished with the big, you know, the big finishing moves and stuff and a nice, they didn't overdo the false finish. It was just a nice, clean structure that started from point A and just gradually escalated to the end point and then cut off clean. And and that's something that I think I don't see often enough in wrestling these days, is just simply structured matches, especially sort of in NXT kind of territory where everything seems to suddenly get to the end and then get stuck in a 10-minute cycle uh, and then just stop suddenly. Uh, this was something I felt was was exactly the kind of wrestling that, that I enjoy, but with that kind of modern-day... Uh, hyper athleticism in it. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I, I particularly um, when I watched it, it reminded me a bit of the uh, Reigns match from Money in the Bank a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, because it was similarly like really well paced. Um, you know, particularly, uh, I, I love the way it started. It really quite slowly, and actually a lot of Daniel Bryan's um, recent matches have done this as well. Like started really slowly, built up properly, and, and then you know as as it gets more and more fraught, you know, and they make more and more mistakes. It I don't know, it just gives that sense of realism. I think Bret Hart matches used to do much the same thing. I'm thinking particularly, um, particularly like the first Bret Hart v Stone Cold match from Survivor Series '97. Um, yeah, it, it, it felt a bit like that to me. Um, and I love the fact that it was so clean as well. Like there was none of this. Oh, yeah. he got a shoulder up as he was kicking out, or oh, there was Which a, a rest- to suddenly be a finish. They've become obsessed with. <laughs> yeah. Or um, was it like they kept like they kept saying, "Oh, the refs missed that call." I don't know. Yeah, it was I, like I, bizarrely frequent last uh, last Sunday. I get the feeling. Yeah, it was- I get the things. It's a, it's actually in in the news in real sport, isn't it? Like um, you know, VIR in football, and um, you know, an instant replay in uh, in various American sports, and the controversies over its use or or lack of use. Is I mean, it's one of those maybe one of those um, painful WWE things where they just decide that they're going to do something topical. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was just I thought it was great. I can't wait to watch it again. I must say, like as soon as I get like half an hour to sit down, I'll um I'll, I'll definitely watch that again. Well, it feels like, like it'll what, age well. Yeah, absolutely. What I liked so much about it was that there was a, a real sense of uh, competitive ferocity about it as well, but they didn't overplay it. Sometimes that gets kind of overplayed, but it was like in that Bret Hart Mr. Perfect King of the Ring '93 area where it felt like they 
they were like bordering on maybe going going to that next level, but they never quite did. And that played through in the way AJ reacted to the loss, which I thought was really nicely done. And everything about it was just suitably restrained and just sensible and clever and satisfying. Yeah, it it it, it really was. And it was a yeah, fantastic match. And that's what you want. That is what you want to see over and over again. That's what we were waiting for. That's what, you know, it, it's what we were hoping to be, a, you know, WrestleMania main event or a SummerSlam main event. And it gets piped in here because of uh, Brock Lesnar and his ilk. Uh, but yeah, it, it was really good stuff. And yeah, more please. Uh, are we, are we going to get, I, I mean, I'm assuming we don't get a rematch straight away, but you'd have to think down the line that's got to happen again. Well, what I said on SCID was that I hope they kind of, and it's I, I, I'm, you know, I have no confidence they will because it's beyond them in the minute. But I kind of hope they stay away from it for a little while, but then cycle back in time for it to headline SummerSlam again, and that would be the big, you know, the big rematch. Um, but I mean, the other thing as well is what, and it's one again another reason why I'm such a big fan of Seth because he doesn't always do it, but he does it a lot more I think than than most of the other roster, most of the rest of the roster. Which is, it, it would have been, given the, the reputation that Seth and AJ have as competitors, and the reason why many people, are, you know, subliminally thought of this as a dream match because of their styles in the ring, would have been very easy for them to go down that vile Cena styles route of just big moves and big kickouts. Um, and in actual fact, they did something more cerebral and more intelligent. Uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, bravo to them for that. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. And, and, you know, like that match could easily have been your finisher kick out fest, you know. Yeah, it, it, yeah. They could easily have just done all their big moves and done an NXT style match, if you like. Uh, and I'm glad they didn't. Um, uh, you know, and it, what's funny, actually, I was thinking back to the Styles v Nakamura matches, which I very much enjoyed as well. And I remembered that people didn't like them as much as I thought they should like them. And it occurred to me that people didn't like them because it wasn't an NXT style, yeah, styles Nakamura match. And it's, I mean, I've not actually watched uh, apart from like uh, you and uh, and Doc and a couple of others. I've not seen loads of um, reactions to it online. Uh, but but curiously, but people have been positive, generally speaking. But it's strange to me that people didn't feel that way about the Nakamura matches. Yeah, I mean the thing is, it's I've spoken about it a lot recently. It's about fashions, isn't it? There's always ring, ring fashion comes and goes, as it has the you know in attitude. The fashion was always the brawls, um, and this was you know if you look at ring fashion, this was very much in that new gen, which is probably why we loved it so much, man. Um, but that NXT style is what a lot of people want, and I think Ambrose in particular was a performer who got hamstrung by that in the way that fans received his a lot of his work uh, he had you know a lot of major fans obviously but his some of his biggest matches like well maybe not some of his biggest matches but a lot of matches he wrestled that were fantastic like the Ziggler match at SummerSlam a lot of people said were boring and, and dull and it all helped contribute to that ludicrous idea that somehow he wasn't one of the top stars in the company when in actual fact he was just wrestling a style that was the antithesis of that fashionable more is more NXT hysteria that you get regularly with, uh, you know, the likes of Johnny Gargano, which will, you know, 
will always be why I rate performers like Rollins and Ambrose way above performers like Gargano because they're able to wrestle more mature matches. Frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I've, yeah, there are, I have seen, um, you know, Johnny matches which were restrained more, like the Ricochet one I thought was really good um, from that takeover around Christmas. Um, but yeah, no, I take your point. Um, all right. Uh, so let's just, before we. Before we kind of uh, depart then, um, obviously a pretty uh, big storyline uh, weekend for the women, if if not necessarily uh, great wrestling uh, per se, but certainly a big storyline weekend. Um, I mean, uh, I, I've already made my things like the Bailey thing quite clear. I think she was the wrong choice to win the ladder match, and uh, I don't think it was very in character to have her be cashing in on the night either. And plus the whole cashing in the night thing has been done too much and you know too close together lately i just think it seems to happen every year now i, I think the way they did it was was clever um, I, I enjoyed the way they did it i think they avoided you know the the character issue because you know that probably would have been a character issue for bailey full stop you know when's she going to do it aside from calling her shot a month in advance but you know she came out to to even the odds for becky and you know it wasn't her intention to to ca- come in, come down and cash in. It's not like she ran, ran in and and went for the cash in. So you know they 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 led up to that and they had the the circumstances play out. So it it wasn't just like she'd come down and cash in, and it was there. But yeah, what bothered me is like she immediately totally forgot about Becky at that point. I'm like, hold on a minute, you came down to help Becky, and as soon as she got knocked out of the ring and you'd ca- you decided you were cashing cash in, it was suddenly forgotten even after you won you went to celebrate all over the crowd and then go and find her yeah i but, I, I, um, I think what they should have done is they should have had becky do the uh bret hart at wrestlemania 9 like waver yeah, in no. <laughs> go on <laughs> go on do it no, 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 <laughs> yeah you know what the funny thing is that probably would have worked yeah <laughs> that that pro that would have been you know you could have had bailey like you know questioning whether she should or not and if she got that nod of approval from becky you know, like, yeah, go, go and do it. You know, uh, that probably would have been, you know, that little bit... Because uh, uh, that, that's what I think was... La- the one thing that I thought was lacking in it was, you know, some interaction between Bailey and and and, and Becky uh, over what had happened either afterwards or before the cash-in, you know. Because, you know, that's what... She, she's come down to help her, and she wasn't, you know she wasn't intending to cash that in when you look at how, how it all played out. And you know, I understand why they've, why they, why they've gone that route. I, I just kind of liked it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the match with Charlotte. I actually find myself really enjoying, um, what's her name? Lacey. Lacey. I, I don't know what it is. It, it, even the first time I saw her, I was like, Oh yeah, I like this girl. She's, and she's, oh, I think she's got like, I think she's, she's got star she's, power. She's, you know, done she's well. great. Green. Yeah, but, she's done well with what she's been given. You know, like she's been given a chance, and she's—it's almost like seen her in the early days, isn't it? Like you can see, you know, not the finished yeah. article, but but certainly, uh, you know, grabbed with both hands what she's been given. I thought she she more than held her own in in um in all of the sort of interactions that 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 she ended up in over the weekend. Um, uh, yeah, I I guess my problem with the Bailey thing is. Bailey, who for the longest time was one of the most over people, and then they kind of didn't do much with her. 
and then at the point where she's never felt colder, where she's basically a sort of running joke for the Iconics week after week, that's when they decide to give her um, to give her a briefcase. And I just think she's the wrong. I would have had a quarter shot a month in advance, like build up to her. You could have revisited the, the thing that got her over it well, that made her so popular in the first place, which was the build to the Sasha match at NXT uh, Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn. If you'd have done what Mav is suggesting and, and had to say, okay, you know, I, things haven't gone my way since I turned up on the main roster. This is going to be the redemption story or whatever. It could have been very similar in tone. Yeah, I mean, I do wonder how much of the decision is just to fuck you, Asasha, at this point as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I think it's probably quite likely that that played a part in this this decision. I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it at all. Really, I like the way that it was done. It yeah. was one of the, one of the more enjoyable passages of the of the show. And she got a pop. Yeah, she was she 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 was certainly not a hottest, but she she got she got a good pop out of it, and you know it. It's there. She's, you know, catapulted back to the position. Can she maintain it? I guess we'll see, but, you know. But her problem has always been that her character arc had its day in NXT, and then by the time she got to the main roster, there wasn't really anything left because people had, had you know, had, had kind of got that story that she's almost like a one-hit wonder in that sense. But I also agree, the reason why I had an issue with her winning it in the first place is it's kind of like, you know, there are other women's wrestlers on the roster right like it's not just the four horsewomen and Lacey Evans and Ronda Rousey like you've got Ember Moon could have been a great shout to win it and, and been given a go round you could have put the spotlight you know on, on any one of these I'm really you know I'm really enjoying it at, at the moment in the women's division I'm, I'm enjoying um, Mandy and uh, Sonia Sonia Oh, sorry, so oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Mandy Rose would have been a great shout. Yeah. The point being that this was an opportunity to to be able to catapult, uh, you know, one of the many female talents who hasn't had a fair share of the spotlight into the spotlight to remind them what they can do because many of them are just as talented, if not more so, than Bailey, um, and and Charlotte and Becky, um, but they they're not given the shake, you know. So it's it's a shame. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I think I agree with that take, certainly, because, you know, everything seems to go to the four horsewomen, doesn't it? Well, three now, lol. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that I, I think that my problem with Bailey overall is that they haven't allowed her any character progression. You know, it's like she's still wearing those, you know, uh, these those stupid hair bobbles and she's still got like that terrible makeup that, that you know like deliberately looks like you know she didn't know how to do it herself um that she's still got like this that gear which is cringeworthy um i i just think like it, it's almost like she's the female ziggler like she just hasn't uh, hasn't developed in any way whatsoever uh and i just think that uh if you wanted her to you know to be uh serious again you need to do what you do with becky lynch because becky lynch isn't doing the whole i'm irish and i like steampunk thing anymore is she right she's doing something completely different and that's why she's been successful and i think that's where they need to seriously consider what they're doing with bailey from a character point of view because i can't take her seriously in that incarnation anymore 
They don't have it in them to seriously consider shit. Well, we have this with that. It's that maybe, you know, I don't know. I, I, I was critical at first, but he's starting to win me over. I, I think Kofi's ability to switch into the more serious when it comes time is starting to to look good. Maybe she needs to go down that route a bit. The problem is, is when she tries to be tough, it's laughable. It, it, yeah, it, it don't work, does it? it? You know, whenever she did that with with, with Sasha, um, it, it always, like, yeah, it it don't suit you. It's not a good look on you. So that's why you worry about, you know, whether she possibly can even break out of that character, even if, you know, she's given the opportunity. Yeah, I know for sure. Um, anything else about money in the bank before we, uh, before we get out here, any other takes? No, no. Cool. Well, um, <laughs> Before we go, guys, a bit of an announcement. We are um, in the process of uh, moving platforms. Uh, so I think from next week, uh, you will be able to uh, get us from our new location, uh, which is Spreaker. Um, that is Speaker, but with an R in. Um, and we will obviously... <laughs> Spoken with contempt. <laughs> like, no, not at all. They're very much our, <laughs> our new lords and masters, and we worship them deeply. Um, uh, but, you know, we will post uh, details. Uh, I'll certainly post it my main page column. Um, maybe plan you can do the same, and we'll put it on our Twitters as well, like where you can find um, the new LOP radio. Uh, new, well, same, same LOP radio, but in a new place. Uh, so that's just a... Um, a heads up you'll need to like update your uh, your podcatchers and so on and so forth but yeah we'll, we'll post some details about that over the coming days so just a bit of a public service announcement as they say um so with that said from the right side of the ponds uh from all of us here have a great weekend and we will see you on the other side bye, bye.